Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. It's Shep Hyken here. Another episode of Amazing Business Radio. I am so excited today, as I always am, but here's why. Because not only do we have a great guest on the show, but this guest, I met him a year ago. We've become friends. His name is Dr. Bob Baker. And Bob is a physician. And I know what you're thinking. What can we learn from a physician? What customer service and experience techniques could this guy possibly teach us? Well, he wrote a book called The Performance of Medicine, and it has nothing to actually do with medicine. It has to do with the techniques that he learned from the stage as a professional entertainer and how to optimize the patient experience as in customer experience. It is all about what all of us do. A little bit about Bob. He is, and this is a hard word for me to say, gastroenterologist. He's in New York. He's been doing this for more than 35 years, and he is finally retired because he wants to go full-time into sharing with the world what we can learn from his experiences and creating an amazing patient experience. But what you need to know about Bob is that he's also a professional magician and ventriloquist who supported himself in med school by performing in the Catskill Mountains in upstate New York. I actually performed there several years. I had some gigs there. We'll talk about that in just a moment or two. But this is the really cool part. He was a contestant in season eight of America's Got Talent. And uh, there's a great story there. We'll probably save that for another time. But the guy's the real deal. He's an entertainer. He's a doctor. And you put it together, and you have somebody that knows how to make people happy. Uh, And how can a doctor make somebody happy? Well, you give them a great experience. So, Dr. Bob, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Chef. And I I appreciate that introduction, listening to it. I want to meet that guy you were talking about. He sounds like a pretty cool guy. (laughs) So, Bob, the Catskills. I performed at the Catskills. I performed at, oh, gosh, what was the name of that place? I did it several years. Huge, huge resort up there. Um, Grossinger's or the Neville or Brown's. There were several. Neither, neither, neither. Um, The Concord. I performed at the Concord. Oh, the Concord, Several, mm-hmm. And you know what? I was the opening act for Heinz and Heinz. Do you know I remember that? that Gregory sure. and Maurice Heinz, the wow. tap dancers. Oh, yes. oh, the dancers. Oh, yes, yes, of yeah. course. And so uh, I was actually up there doing some corporate events, and uh, somehow or another the manager of the showroom saw me working and said, hey, we, we need you. And he put me up there, and uh, <laughs> it's so I did it like three years in a row. It was crazy, and it was fun, and I got to say, hey, I, wor- I worked the Borscht Belt. Up in the Catskills. Yep. Well, Shep, you were working much higher end of the Borscht Belt than I was. I was working the small bungalow colonies there, and I like to say that you've paid your dues as a performer when you have a show that starts at 1 o'clock in the morning for a group of people who just came back from a losing night at Monticello Raceway. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're going to entertain us? Fine, go ahead. And there was the time that I arrived at one of my shows, and I announced that I was there, as I, at that time I was doing hypnosis, I said, I'm the hypnotist. And they went, hypnotist? We were expecting a stripper. So you go in with the audience expectations not being ideal, and they're pissed off, and the show starts at 1 in the morning. That's when you pay your performing dues. So i got to know, did you meet the expectations of the stripper? Did you give them what they wanted? No, I gave them a hypnosis show. End of story. <laughs> 
All right. So I have to say, I'm a little bit. I used to do a bit, which is common among hypnotists, where the people on stage would think that everybody in the audience had taken off all of their clothes. When they opened their eyes, they saw the whole audience is naked. And so I, I sort of gave them what they were coming for. I wondered exactly. if there, because you could do that. You can do that. Yes, that's right. That's right. All right, so let's jump into this. Um, you, you're a doctor. You just retired, um, and and um, you're an internist, and your specialty yes. is uh, gastroenterology. But uh, you've worked with a lot of patients over the years. L- let's talk about them. You don't refer, or you you may not refer to them as just patients. You actually refer to them as customers. Well, that's something which I've had to learn to do, and it's something which most doctors really take some umbrage at that even though doctors make a good living and of course everybody likes to make money it's never been about the money for doctors it's been about taking care of people and so we always thought of our the people came to see us as patients as human beings in need but you know something that's not good enough anymore and we need to start to think of them as customers who want a good experience when they come to see us. It's not enough to be just a good doctor. Patients expect when they walk into that office or into that examining with you, room with you that you are a good doctor. They, they walk in assuming that, that you know your stuff. And so therefore, knowing your stuff is not enough anymore. It's the experience that they get from you, which is going to cause them to come back, to refer friends to you, and so forth. So in some ways, we've had to give a good customer experience all our lives in order to uh, develop a practice without actually thinking of patients as customers. Now, we need consciously to understand that a lot of people are coming into us with the mentality as not just patients, but also as customers and what kind of experience are they going to get from us aside from the proper medication. So two things there. Number one, like Taylor, they expect us to be good doctors. Whenever anybody buys a product from a company, they expect the product to do what it's supposed to do. Exactly. The next level, and that's table stakes. That's a given. You're you're a comp, you know you're a competent doctor. Um, if I go and I'm buying an automobile, I expect the automobile is going to run. If I'm going to a manufacturing facility and I'm buying a piece of equipment, I expect it's going to work. Um, and you know, same thing. Next is prove to me that I should do business with you because I could probably go to a different doctor. I could probably buy a different piece of equipment. I could probably buy a different car from a different automobile dealership. The next is prove to me. And I like the idea that you're you're calling the patient a customer. And I'm okay if a doc says, look, I'm not going to call him a customer, but I understand what you're saying. My goal is to create an amazing patient experience. And if they start talking in those terms, I'm fine with that. And all of us need to be thinking, what can we do to create a better customer experience? So the book, The Performance of Medicine, subtitled Techniques from the Stage to Optimize the Patient Experience and Restore the Joy of Practicing Medicine. Now, this book is primarily targeted toward doctors. Is that correct? That's correct. Well, doctors, nurses, nurse practitioners, really any healthcare provider who has direct contact with patients will benefit from the techniques and strategies that are in the book. And you're talking, when you talk about these techniques and strategies, it's a, you call it the performance of medicine, and you're basing a lot of this on creating a positive experience for an audience member. There's another word, not a customer, mm-hmm. but audience member, right. not a patient, mm-hmm. audience member, and creating that, that uh, environment where, you know, hey, they're laughing, they're having a good time, and you know what, they want to come back and see the show again, tell their friends about the show. This sounds mm-hmm. an awful lot like business. It sounds an awful lot like a medical practice, too. 
Um, I came to this realization slowly. When I first went into practice, having trained in, in a variety of Ivy League academic settings, one day one of my partners came to me and said that the, pre- the patients were expressing dissatisfaction with their visits with me, that I wasn't taking their complaints seriously enough. They came in with a cold. I said, okay, you need to take some medications, and that's it. But I wasn't really giving them good service. And he said something fascinating to me. He said that the doctor visit, and I think this is true of the sales visit too, is a kind of a ritual. And from the doctor's point of view, it is an authority figure, the doctor wearing a certain costume, the white coat. It's the telling of a tale. It's the laying on of hands. And this this ritual is part of the healing process. And I suspect that it's the same thing with sales, that the customer has to have a certain degree of trust that he's going to get a certain type of experience, a respectful experience from the salesperson. And in just as that's an important part of closing the sale, it's a very important part of the healing process. And I realized fairly early on that when a doctor goes in with a patient or when a salesperson goes in with a customer, it's a performance which is not to say that it's fake. It's very, very important. One of my mentors in the world of speaking is a man named Michael Port. Who says oh, yeah, Michael Port. That, you know, says Michael and good, Amy Port. Michael and Amy Port, a real mm-hmm. power couple in mm-hmm. the world of speaking and in sales, too. And he wrote a very successful book called uh, Book Yourself Solid. And it's all about giving your customers good service. At any rate, um, One thing that Michael says is that good performance is authentic behavior in a manufactured environment. By manufactured environment, it means any environment that's created for the purpose of doing something. So, for instance, a courtroom is a manufactured environment where the law takes place. Um, And a doctor's office is a manufactured environment created for the purpose of giving health care. And our performance in that environment has to be authentic. Now, that it just sounds crazy to people. How can your performance as a salesperson, as a salesperson, how can you be authentic? You have to be your real self to be authentic. Right, or a customer service rep for that matter. I mean, it's, think about it. I, I know I'm cutting you off on this, but not That's just okay. sales, but customer service. If yeah. I call and need help, it's like I'm, I'm. It's just like going into the doctor's office, and the doctor shows up. The customer service rep gets on the phone or whatever, and I hope that they're going to be able to heal me or fix my problem or answer my question. That's right. And it's very important to remember that in both those circumstances, both the person calling customer service and the person coming to the doctor's office, we are seeing people in an emotional state. They're worried. They're concerned. They have a problem that they need solved. And they need to be able to get the good experience and the respectful treatment from both the customer service representative and from the doctor. And the issue of respect is terribly, terribly important in both cases. But going back to the idea of it being a performance, um, you probably remember from your days in Magic that when we started out, we all thought about what is our character on stage going to be? And the senior magicians would say to us, no, just go be yourself. Well, you can't be yourself because our normal selves are not that interesting to our customers or to our patients. We need to be the biggest, best version of our doctor selves or our salespeople selves that when you're going in as a salesperson, you want to be helpful, you want to be kind, you want to be respectful, you want to create a genuine relationship with that customer, and it's the exact same thing with a doctor. We need to be kind and respectful, we need to listen well, 
And this is where techniques from the stage can help us out, whether we're doing customer service or sales or doctoring. Right. And in my book, I talk about four basic techniques that all performers use to create a connection that we can use to create connections with our patients or our customers. And we're so going to talk first, about those four. And we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to – and I'm looking – I went through the book, and for some reason I remember there were five, but I could be mistaken. Well, um, the fifth one is – there, there are actually five. That's a little bit obscure. It has to do with how we breathe. That can be a little bit obscure to explain. Ah, okay. But there are four well, basic we'll go, easy ones. So we'll mm-hmm. do the four easy ones, leave the obscure ones. Yeah, yeah. So don't go away. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to learn more from Dr. Bob Baker, and we're going to learn about the four basic – performance techniques that we need when we're delivering a great experience to our customers. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Good customer service is now an expectation. Don't provide it. You'll be disrupted by a competitor who does. So what can you do to stand out? Well, that's the focus of my new book, The Convenience Revolution, how to create a customer service experience that disrupts the competition and creates fierce loyalty. The goal is to reduce friction and be convenient for your customers. So if you're ready to take your customer service to the next level and disrupt your competition and maybe even an entire industry, then this book is a must read for you and your team. And if you're listening to this before the book is released, you can pre-order and get the ebook immediately for free. Just go to www.beconvenient.com. That's beconvenient.com. It's time to join the revolution, the amazement revolution. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking to Dr. Bob Baker and we are talking about now the four basic performance techniques that we need to deliver this amazing patient, customer, uh, client experience, guest experience. It's a performance. What are we doing here? Let's start with number one. Okay, number one is listening and observing. You know, Meryl Streep once said that all of acting is just listening. You are listening to what the other person is saying and responding to that with our full attention. And that's part of what I mean when I say we have to be our best physician self or our best salesperson self, that we are at that moment the best version of that that we can be. We're giving our full attention to the patient. We're listening. We're observing body language. We're paying full attention to what they're telling us. Doctors fall down on this. If you've gone to the doctor's office and the doctor is pecking away at the computer while talking to you, you know that you don't have that doctor's undivided attention. And, and many patients find that disrespectful. And, and I would imagine in the, that in sales calls and customer service, people are not looking away at computers, but we need to look at our patients and, and give them our full attention. So uh, observing them and also sending them the right body language from us. So for instance, one of the things that I urge doctors to do is to make eye contact. And we should do that about 60 to 70% of the time that we're with the person. Um, And the proper way to do it is to look at the person's face between the eyebrows and the chin. This is what's called social gazing, and it it shows active, friendly listening. And if we look at people between their eyebrows and their forehead, in other words, we're looking up at the top of their heads, that's called power gazing. And many people find that to be uncomfortable. So in listening to our patients and observing them, we need to look at them the right way. We need to make eye contact with them, but in the proper way so they know that we're engaged. Um, Another example of a good way of listening 
is to do something which is called the triple nod, which mm. means that as we listen to the patient or to the customer, we nod our head slowly three times. If you do it too quickly, it comes across as being impatient, or if we do it too slowly, it comes across as being bored with what they're saying. But by listening, by looking in their eyes, and by nodding our heads slowly three times, it conveys this active, engaged, friendly listening. So that's a way of using body language to start to give the patient a good customer experience. So technique number one is listening and observing. Great what's detail. Really going on. Great detail. Excellent. Number two. Number two is uh, being in the moment. Now, actors have to do this because every single night, especially if they're on stage, they're going out and they're saying the same lines again. They're performing the same actions again and again and again each night. And you know something? For a doctor, it can be the same thing. We're performing the same tests, the same physical examination, often listening to the same types of complaints. It can become routine. And similarly, for somebody in customer service, uh, either you're hearing the same complaints from customers all the time, or if you're in sales, you are giving the same pitch again and again about your product. And so it's important to be in the moment so that it does not become routine, so that the patient or the customer has the feeling that you are there only for them at that moment. So being in the moment, not letting our thoughts wander, not worrying about what we're having for lunch or whether we have to pick up the kids after school, all of that needs to be excluded when we are in there with that other human being. Yeah, it takes concentration. It it, it does take concentration. It takes active concentration because... um, That is the only part of this interaction that we can control. What goes on before we're with the customer or the patient, what goes on afterwards, we don't have any control of that. But we have complete control of when we are in the room and we have complete control over ourselves and that interaction. And the way that we do that and maintain that is by technique number three, which is staying in character. And the character that we are playing is the biggest best version of ourselves. So when I'm in with a patient, I'm being the best Dr. Baker that I can be, which is very different from dad, the soccer coach, or the guy who goes out with friends for dinner, or even the person who's a managing partner in my office. My doctor self, when I'm in with that person, needs the biggest best, needs to be rather the biggest best version of myself, just as a customer representative wants to be the biggest best version of him or herself for that customer at that moment. So when I say that we are staying in character, yes, we are playing a role, but the role that we are playing is ourselves, but the best version of ourselves that we can be for that person opposite us. You know, we come to work every day and we need to think about can we be great? And I love that you're talking about this stage performance, so to speak, uh, being the best version of yourself. You mentioned the stage performers. Richard Burton, a famous performer, and I've mentioned this on the show before, he had a saying as he would walk out on stage. By the way, Richard Burton did TV, movies, but his best-known work was what he did on stage, which meant night after night he had to come in, just like uh, hour after hour or every 10 or 15 minutes you're seeing a new patient or the customer service rep on the phone that's getting call after call or how about the, you know I, I love it the number one question asked at Disney is where's the bathroom uh-huh. and uh-huh. I could see where some yeah. Disney employee after hearing 
that question, you know, 60 times a day, every day, might get a little frustrated with a customer and <laughs> or a guest, as they call them. But you've got to stay in character. Uh, you've got to be in the moment and, and give the best version of yourself. So I love it. But Richard Burton used to say, this is what I'm getting at, uh, as he walked down on stage, I want to be so good tonight that I cheat the audience that was here last night. Could we be better every time we saw a customer, every time we saw a patient, that they think, wow, you're even better than the last time, every time. Not easy to that. do. Not, and I don't think it's a realistic uh, goal. It, but once in a while, it'll happen. But if you put forth the effort to make that happen, well, nobody's going to be upset with you for that kind of effort. So I would add, I would supplement that with another story, that Joe DiMaggio, the great Yankee center fielder, was yes. once asked why he played so hard every single day. And his answer was, because there might be some kid in the stands who's seen DiMaggio for either the first or the last time. Mm, and it should be the best version of Joe DiMaggio exactly that you put out there. Exactly correct. Which brings us to the last technique. Yes, number four. Which is acting as if. And what that means is that if we act in a certain way, we will feel it, and then we will become it. And the example that I like to give for any of us is very often we have a very hard, lousy day at the office. We are tired. We are frustrated. Something's gone wrong. And yet when we walk in with that next customer or that next patient, all of that has to disappear. So you have to act as if there's no place that you would rather be but in that room with that patient or with that customer and exclude everything else. Um, someone once said, beautifully said, that it is easier to act our way into a new way of thinking than to think our way into a new way of acting. So that by acting the way you feel that you should, you will start to feel it and start becoming it. You know, look at the way they train soldiers. How does a soldier become courageous? They train them to act bravely. And then when they're in the height of battle, because they've learned to act this way, they become brave and they fight well. Um, I, from show business, I like the example of Eliza Doolittle from My Fair Lady. Yeah. That she was taught to act as if she were a lady. And by doing so, she became one. And I think that when things are bad for us in the office, we need to act as if. I'll, I'll tell you a brief story, if I may. I have a patient who has a daughter with a condition called lysencephaly. It's a condition in which the brain doesn't develop. It's normal folds. And, and these children have all sorts of neurologic problems. They die at a very young age. And one day, this mom came in, and I, as I always did, I asked about how, asked about her daughter, and she told me the daughter just had uh, three weeks in the pediatric ICU with terrible seizures and pneumonia, and she almost died. And she ended by saying, and we just brought her home, Dr. Baker, for what we know will be the last time. Well, that's devastating mm. to hear that. And, of course, I commiserated, and we hugged, and we, we cried, and... Eventually, I took care of what she came for for the office, which is to check her blood pressure. But then I had to go see another patient. And I had to do a routine physical on someone who knew nothing about what had just happened to me and, frankly, wouldn't have cared. So I stood outside the door, and I put my hand on the doorknob, and I literally said to myself, Robert, it is showtime. And I stood up straight so I have good energy. 
and I put on my best, warmest smile so that I'd feel good inside. And I went in there and I acted as if there was no place I wanted to be more than in that room within that patient. And I have to say, I did a great job for her. Gave her a great physical, listened to what she had to tell me by acting as if. And it's an important lesson for all of us, whether we're doctors or in sales or customer service, that we have to have that ability to say, all right, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to give my best performance for that customer, for that patient, and thereby give a great experience. Yep. Every day better today than yesterday. Absolutely. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to wrap the show up with some more wisdom from Dr. Bob Baker. Don't go away. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio. If you like what you're hearing on Amazing Business Radio, and I know you do, then you can get much more of this information. All you have to do is go to my website, hyken.com. That's www.hyken.com. Fill out the subscribe to the shepherd letter form. And each week, you will get an article that contains a business tip, stories, much more, all about customer service and experience delivered straight to your inbox. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to always be amazing. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Hello, we're back on Amazing Business Radio Dr. Bob Baker, the internist and gastroenterologist. Did I say that right? I think gastroenterologist. Oh, yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. To the stars, I might add. And uh, we don't need to talk about who your patients are. But when you did show up on American Idol, one of the judges said, Oh, my God, that's my doctor. So he, right, actually, he, it was America's Got Talent. Or America's yes, Got Talent. You are still my idol. They can go idol. on YouTube to find out who that was. Yes, yes. Um, and uh, it was season eight, uh, Dr. Bob Baker, and uh, you were a ventriloquist. Uh, you did your vent act, and you ha- what was the name of your, your character? Yes, I had the world's only talking large intestine. His name is Sigmoid Colon. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And you got everybody. Now I just lost all credibility that I've built up over the last 20 minutes. <laughs> hey, you know what? When I'm a customer service and experience expert, and you know what I did from the time I was a little kid? I've been doing card tricks and magic tricks. I had a birthday party magic show business. That doesn't destroy my credibility. No, it makes you real. It means that you're a fun guy. So uh, we're wrapping all this up, and I just want to cover one more area. And I think, you know, what happens when things go wrong? You know, when things go wrong, at a restaurant, the steak's not cooked right. I mean, that's easy to fix. But you're a doctor. When things go wrong and you're a doctor, bad things really do happen. That's for sure. And what I've learned is the important thing to remember is, A, they're going to happen no matter how good you are, and, B, the lesson is to own it. So there was a circumstance in which a patient of mine in the ICU suddenly had a cardiac arrest and died. And it turned out it was because the respiratory therapist switched the intake and output tubes on the, on the ventilator and hooked the patient up backwards, and the patient had a cardiac arrest and died. I got the call from the ICU, and I immediately called the family and said, please come in and let's talk. And they came in, and I explained to them what had happened and why it happened. And they could see that I was upset as well as they were. And what we would do to make sure it never happened again. And they could easily have said, we want nothing to do with you ever again because our relative died because of a mistake that was made in the hospital, which obviously was not my mistake. I had nothing to do with the mistake. But because I owned it, because I showed empathy, because I took responsibility for it, 
they stayed with me for another 20 years after that. When hospitals, what hospitals have learned is that they can decrease malpractice suits by taking the following steps when something bad happens. Number one, admit it. Number two, explain it to the family so that they understand. Number three, explain what steps the hospital will take uh, in order to prevent it from happening again. And number four, if appropriate, to offer some type of compensation. And this te these techniques, these ideas are being adapted now, adopted by hospitals all over the country as a way of giving good customer service even when things go wrong. And I think it applies in business too. And, and I just have to know, like compensation, uh, what are we talking about here? It's generally monetary compensation of some type. Hmm. So, I mean, it's in lieu of, of the major lawsuit. I get it. And the goal is, hey, uh, you know, we want to mitigate this or eliminate it if we can. And I don't, you know, that this is heavy. I mean, we're talking about somebody's life. And yeah. is there any amount of money that can make up for that? And the answer is probably no. But, hey, we need to do something. We need to help these people out. You know, maybe, maybe. And, yes, and what the patients and customers mm -hmm. want to hear is that you care right. that it happened and you're concerned that it happened and you want to make sure that it doesn't happen to anybody else. Very often, what families will say is the most important thing is that they take steps so it doesn't happen to anybody else. And we need to assure them that we're doing that. Right. I think that's key. So I jokingly said, hey, things go bad at a restaurant, but let's talk about it. The server sets the food down. The person takes a bite of their meat and says, this isn't cooked enough. The server doesn't say, and I, I joked about this in one of our recent shows, hey, uh, I, I, I don't make this stuff. I just serve it. No, that's not what the server should say, although that's exactly what happened that particular right. evening. Uh, mm -hmm. But, no, instead a typical good server would say, oh, my gosh, let me take care of that for you. I'm sorry that it's happened. I can see it's not cooked enough. They're acknowledging, they're apologizing, and they're saying, I'm going to take care of it. They, and that means they've taken ownership. They didn't blame the chef in the back or somebody in the back for not cooking it. They said, I will take care of it. Then they go back and they cook it a little bit longer and they bring it out and they look and make sure it's perfectly cooked and they apologize for it again. And all this was done as quickly as possible. And so the five-step process I've talked about on the show is acknowledge the problem and apologize for the problem. And that's one and two. Either it doesn't matter what order it goes in. Number three is to fix it or discuss what the resolution is going to be. Number four is to own it, just as you say, an attitude of ownership may not be your fault, but you're stepping up. And number five, you act with urgency. And the only thing that I would say that was quite different from yours than this is what steps are we taking to make sure this doesn't happen again? And I can think of many situations in sales and service and even just in communication with people and the relationships that they would feel a whole lot better if you would say, I get that this was a problem. I acknowledge it. I apologize for it. Here's what I'm going to do to fix it. I'm going to own it. By the way, this is what I'm going to do to make sure it doesn't happen again. What a brilliant extra step. You've taught me something here, Dr. Bob. I'm excited. I'm going to go. Well, thanks, I may have to write this one up. Me, I appreciate that. <laughs> And then, of course, you act with urgency. All right. Awesome, awesome lessons today. I mean, number one, listen and observing. Number two, being in the moment. Number three, staying in character, being the best you can be. Number four, acting as if this is the most important only thing that's happening regardless of what's happened before. And finally, we talked about just in this last segment what happens when things go wrong. 
This is the final question. It's the one thing question. You can either remind us of something that you want to remind us about or give us some little nugget. Uh, What would that one thing be? Every time you go in with a customer or speak to a customer on the phone or a doctor goes in with a patient, we need to be the biggest, best version of ourselves that we can be for that one person at that one moment. Yep, I love it. it. And that's a great reiteration of a very important point. Being in the moment, staying in character, acting as if and listening and observing, all those tie into being the best version of what you can be. Dr. Bob Baker, you're amazing. That's why we call this Amazing Business Radio. Thanks for some great lessons, lessons that we can learn from a doctor. So thanks for being on the show. Thank you very much for having me, Chef. It's been fun and educational for me, too. Awesome. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Next week, we're going to have another great episode of Amazing Business Radio, so be sure to tune back in. Uh, I don't know who the guest is going to be, but I can assure you this. We're going to learn something. Hopefully, we'll laugh a little bit and have a great time. And until next week, until we meet again, remember, Chef Hyken here saying and reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.